going. How about that? There we go. So we're looking forward to what we're going to do in Moriarty and Estancia, New Mexico. Um, we're going to be doing some work at a church in Estancia, a little town in New Mexico close to Moriarty in Albuquerque, uh, where we basically take a church that has disbanded, uh, take their building, and uh, start turning it into a children's home that the New, Ma- New Mexico Baptist uh, group is going to use. Uh, our youth are going to be doing sports camps in both Estancia and in Moriarty. Um, I always look forward to this week because I, I look forward to having my, my hands dirty and getting really involved in, in like you know, manual labor or whatever. I know I'm not as involved as the guys who really know what they're doing uh, in those situations, but it's, it's fun to be used by God in that sense and in a different way. But I also really look forward to that week because I know we're going to have a good time. I know we're going to laugh with each other. I know we're going to tell stories. I know we're going to eat meals together, that we're going to hang out together, spend a lot of time together, never get frustrated with one another, and only enjoy each other the whole time. I look forward to that week because I know that there are going to be things that happen that turn into one of those stories. You know what I'm talking about, whether it's somebody getting shot in the arm with a nail gun or whether it's somebody getting a new nickname from a kid that they were working with that we've used against them this entire time since, uh, whatever that story might be, there's going to be story, something that happens that the next time we're sitting together as a group or we're trying to tell somebody else about how fun it is and how good of an idea it is to go on our mission trip with us or one of the mission trips in the future where we'll stand around together and we'll say, you remember that one time? You have those kind of stories in your life as well. Stories that no matter how old they are and no matter how many times you've said them, never get old. You know what I'm talking about. What is your favorite story that never gets old? Maybe it's a proposal. Uh, The story of how you and your spouse... Uh, how you, uh, your spouse asked you to marry them or vice versa, and you tell that story over and over again to other people, and it never grows old because you go back to that moment, and it's as if you're living it afresh again. On the flip side, maybe you are part of a blind date that went terribly wrong, and no matter how many times you tell that story, it doesn't get any less funny. Maybe your child did something that was decades ago that you still tell them, especially when you meet some of their new friends in order to relive that moment. Maybe it's not even a story. Maybe it's a line or a phrase or a quote or a joke that your dad or your grandmother used to say all of the time that you think about, something that comes to mind that, again, you've heard a million times, maybe even literally a million times, but it still isn't old, as if it's new every time you tell it. John, the Apostle John, and the scripture we're going to read this morning, paints love in the same way. It is something that is old, as old as time even, but that never really grows old and always stays new. Now, remember from last week the circumstances of 1 John, that John is writing to a community of faith, a church that he helped find, that he started, a church that he took pride in, a church that he called his beloved children, and a church that's in the midst of a division with a group of people teaching some hidden truth or secret knowledge as if they were more enlightened than the rest of them and causing division, starting their own group in the midst of all of it. And First John, in a lot of ways, as we looked at last week, is basically John going back to the first things of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Amid the division caused by those within John's community, this church that he started, that thought themselves better than the rest, it was important to go back to the basics. 
And the most, basic, the most basic truth of all Christian truth is love. To love one another just as Jesus Christ loved us. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. That's what John focuses on in this passage and what we will likewise. This truth, that to be Christian is to love the church. To be Christian is to love Jesus' church. Again, 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11, the Apostle John writes these words. Beloved, I'm writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So what is this old yet new commandment of which John speaks We see the oldness of it in the fact that it was quoted in the original law, in the first five books of the Bible, what the Jews called the law of God. In Leviticus 19, 18, God gives the command that Jesus repeats in the New Testament when he says to love your neighbor as yourself. This was part of God's original plan. Again, it can't get any older than that. Not only that, it's a part of God's essence, a part of who God is. John will say later in his letter that God is love. And God is the oldest thing. He existed before time even began. So love literally existed from the beginning. It is older than anything else on earth. Yet it's also new. In John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus, according to John's word, the same John that wrote the scripture that we're reading this morning, says that he has a new commandment, and that new commandment is to love one another. This commandment is old in the sense that God intended for us to love him and to love each other from the very beginning. It's the first thing that went wrong in Scripture. After pride and sin entered the world, the first thing that broke down was the love between Adam and Eve, between man, and then between God and humankind as well. It is exactly what God intended from the beginning, to love him and to love each other. Not only that, but this particular community to which John was speaking, this particular church, they were based on love. The apostle John is known as the apostle of love or the beloved apostle. If you read his words, both in the the three epistles that bear his name, as well as in the gospel that bears his name, he seems to more than the other gospel writers have a focus on love, the love of God, the love of Christ, and how that should be important to us. Even the way that he refers to the people to whom he's writing as beloved children. If he started this community, you better bet that love was a core foundational principle of what it was all about, to love God and to love one another. This was in the DNA of who these people were. And as Jesus said in the gospel, everything else in life, all of God's teaching hangs on this commandment, on these commandments, I should say, to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. On these depend all the law and prophets, Jesus says. Everything that God has ever taught, God has ever said, hangs on love. You can't, again, get any older than that. 
And the oldness of this commandment is important in this particular context because, again, we have a group of people that are seeking to divide the church with a new teaching, with something that they are enlightened to that nobody else really has access to, and they are dividing the church over this. When John tells them, no, we're going back to the basics, and the most basic thing of all is also a new thing that you can't get any more original than to love God and love one another. You can't improve upon that, and so we're going back to those basics, the basic truth to love God and to love each other. It is an old commandment, but it's also a new one. The commandment is new in that it is the new normal of the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. When Jesus looks at his apostles that day in the upper room and he tells them, I'll give you a new commandment that you love one another. He is speaking about a new order, a new way of doing life, a new way of following God. Now, it was the way that it was intended to be all along, but somehow the people of God along the way had lost their path. It's obvious, by the way, that many of the people of God, many of of those who who followed Scripture and who knew it the best, how they reacted towards Jesus with anything but love. And so he is there to teach them that new truth. Again, a truth that's old, but a truth that's new in that it speaks of a new world, a world that is to come. It is the defining characteristic of the kingdom of heaven is love. It is the kingdom which is coming. It's the kingdom which you and I are already a part of if we believe in Jesus and if he has sealed our soul for eternity in him. It is that kind of, and I've talked about this before, the already and not yet of what it means to be a Christian, that we're already citizens of the kingdom of God. Paul calls us that in his epistles, that we already belong to that kingdom, yet at the same time we are still in the kingdom of this world. John talks about it as as light and passing darkness, about how the light is growing and the darkness is passing away. Jesus calls it the ends of the ages. There is this overlap between the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God. We belong to the kingdom of God, but we're living in the kingdom of the world. The kingdom of God is defined by love. It is the defining characteristic. The kingdom of this world is defined by the opposite of love, and that's not necessarily hatred. It could also be apathy. And the kingdom of this world is passing away, and the kingdom of God is eventually going to reign supreme. And so the commandment to love God and to love one another is new in that sense as well. But it's also new in that there is always more to learn about love. Anybody in here got a master's degree or a well, let's not master's, how about a doctoral degree in love? That's the terminal degree, right? Anybody got a PhD in love? Anybody? No, I didn't think so. Uh, I don't, I'm, sometimes I wonder if I even have a high school degree in love because it seems like every day there's something new to learn about what it means to love not only the people that I live with, but people in general. And it's something that I don't think any human has a corner on. It's to always understanding exactly what love is and what love does and what it looks like in each situation. The command to love is new and dynamic because it constantly requires fulfilling. It's not something that we can say to each other one time, I love you, and that take care of it from now on. No, it is fulfilled in the way that we treat one another, in the way that we speak to one another, in the tone in which we speak to one another. 
It is present in every interaction that we have with each other. It is something that we must choose to do in every moment is to love God and to love each other. It requires constant fulfilling. Yet it is also constantly new and refreshing and beautiful. Maybe you've been in a situation in which love has grown stale and you know that in those situations there's nothing more oppressive than not being able to find comfort and joy in that sort of situation. But maybe you've also been in a situation in when every moment feels closer to a friend, to a child, to a spouse, whatever it might be, to a parent, to where every interaction is new. Maybe if you have some of those last moments with someone, it's, it's, it's an old love, it's an old relationship, but it's still brand new and you never want it to stop. That's the kind of love that John is talking about. It's based on the oldest thing there is, but it's also new every day. The new nature of the commandment to love God and to love one another shows us that love is not some mere passing affection, but rather it is work maintained day to day to show love to those around us. And as he goes on with this idea of love, he stops and he talks about how those who say that they love their brother, or those who say that they walk in light yet hate their brother, that they actually walk in darkness, giving us this truth that there is no such thing as an unloving Christian. It's very black and white for John. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness, he writes. It's impossible to be a Christian and to hate your brother, in John's words. It would be like being a Cowboys fan who hates football. Or a person who loves Red Lobster but hates seafood. Or loves hunting but hates being in the outdoors. The Cowboys are football. Red Lobster is seafood. Being a hunter is being outdoors. Those things are necessary parts of being in those particular events or in those particular groups. To be a Christian is to love love, is to love your fellow man, is to love God, and certainly to love each other in this body, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, for John, there is no in-between Either you are walking in the light and you love your brother or you are walking in the dark and you hate your brother. Now, I keep saying brother and sister in Christ. This doesn't mean that we don't have to love those outside of the church. Jesus takes care of that when he says to love your neighbor. That's everyone. But John is focusing on this community because of what's going on, because there is division. And he is calling those who are causing the division who are dividing the body to love their brothers and sisters in Christ more than they love their own ideas and opinions, more than they love their new teaching, more than they love their own pride, and to reunite, to mend the division. So if we take that into our 21st century world, if, you, if your actions are sowing division in the church, you are walking in darkness, not in the way of light. Not in the way of truth. Now, you want to say there are caveats to that, that sometimes when we stand for truth, it causes division. And yes, that is true. But if your actions are not based on truth and are causing division, you are walking in darkness. And one of the worst and scariest things about darkness is that you can't see it. That's the whole point of darkness. You can't see anything around you. But if you're in the light, you know it. You could tell when you're in the light. I could tell that these lights are on. I can see the light refracting off of my eyeballs. 
And if we're in the light, that means we're going to be bearing the fruit of love, as John says. So what is the fruit that your life is bearing right now? What is the way that your life is showing love to the people that you live with, to the people that you encounter day to day, to the stranger, most importantly to your brothers and sisters in Christ? If you can't see any light, if you can't see any fruit of the light of the love of Jesus Christ, perhaps that means that you're walking in darkness. And if that's the case and someone shines a light on you, your first reaction is going to be to pull away. Right In the physical sense, it's that way as well. If you're sitting in a dark place, completely dark, and someone shines like an LED flashlight in your face, your first response is going to be to recoil, to pull back. That hurts your eyes to see the light after being in the darkness that long. And that's all going to be our first reaction, and that's okay, but eventually we have to stop, let our eyes adjust to the light, and realize that the light is better for us. So don't resist when a light shines on you. At first, it will hurt, because that's, become, that's because you've become too used to the darkness, but remember that there is an old commandment that is new every day, and that is the essence of the light of Jesus Christ, and that is to love one another. Yes, it might be hard to at first, but eventually you will see that it is the best decision you could ever make the old commandment that is always new to love one another it is new every day by our fulfilling it consistently even when we would rather not as commentator gary m burge writes love becomes a genuine value only when it is tested Only when we must reach beyond ourselves and love someone we do not wish to love. It's easy to love our brothers and sisters when we are happy with them. It's even easy to love them when we have wronged them because we feel like we owe them love in response to what we have done. But what about when we have been wronged by a brother or sister in Christ? What about the people in John's community that we're being mistreated by the false teachers. We know what he's saying to the false teachers. Quit it already. Quit the division and come back and restore and reunite. But what about the victims of this? What about the people who were in the right, who had been there all along, who had tried to convince the others not to leave, yet they left anyway? Those whose hearts were breaking as their brothers and sisters drove a wedge in their community of faith, divided their body. What about them? How are these Christians who are in the right supposed to respond to what John is writing? See, John is also calling those who are in the right, who are correct in the argument and in the disagreement, to love their brothers and sisters despite the fact that they were wrong. I know, that's the hardest of all of them, isn't it? It's easiest to love those who love you back. Jesus says that much. But when it comes to loving those who don't love us back, that's when we really figure out if we really believe in this thing called love. To love those from whom we get no response. Or to love those from whom we get a negative response. Especially in the midst of an argument where we are right. Everybody else around us tells us we are right. The Bible tells us we are right. We know that we are right and the other person is wrong. How in that situation do we love the person that is wrong? Let me ask you that question a different way. What's more important, you being right or the unity of the body of Christ? 
And when I say being right, you having your mind set on the right thing is important. I'm talking about winning an argument here. What's more important, being right or the unity of the body of Christ? It's being right. Let me tell you your payoff to being right. You ready? It's awesome. You win an argument. Woohoo! That's what you get if you're right. That's your entire reward. Maybe you get to, to you know, smush it in other people's faces and rub it in that you were right and you won that reward. But what if being a person and an advocate for the unity of the body of Christ is more important? Let me tell you what I think the payoff there is. You will join with and promote the most powerful force that the world has ever seen that will one day reign supreme with the sovereign God of the universe for eternity and until then is in the business of rescuing souls from eternal damnation and transforming the evils of the kingdom of this world to closer resemble the goodness of the kingdom of God. Which one would you rather be a part of? I choose the unity of the body of Christ. Right now, anyway. Ask me again when I'm in the midst of an argument. But I would like to choose the unity of the body of Christ in every situation. And one of the reasons why is because those, those you most want not to love might be the ones you need to love the most. Stop and think about that for a minute. Those you most not want to love might be the ones you need to love the most. Chances are the most unlovable people, in your opinion, might be viewed that way by others. And if they're viewed that way by others, they might not receive much love if they're viewed as unlovable. And the love of Christ goes even to them. How do I know that? Because the love of Christ came even to me and even to you. The love of the new commandment loves even when it has been wronged, even when it has been taken advantage of. It still loves, it still puts itself out there. To be Christian is to love the church. That's what we're putting this whole message on this morning. But to be Christian is to love the church even when the church doesn't deserve it. That is the essence, actually, of what it means to be a Christian. A Christian is a little Christ, a follower of Jesus Christ. And it's not just to love those who love you back or to love those with whom you have the most in common, to love those with which you are the most comfortable. No, Jesus loved regardless of who loved him back. He went to the cross and died for all sinners, regardless of whether or not that sinner would ever turn to him. Now, we have to turn to him to receive his salvation, of course, but he died for all mankind, regardless of whether they would turn to him or not. Even while we were still sinners, even while we were still his enemies, Jesus died for us. You want to know what love looks like? Look at the God who is love, who became man, and who showed love by dying for us. That is what love looks like, and we are called to have that same exact kind of love. In John 13, 34, Jesus actually says that, that you love one another just as I have loved you. This is the kind of love that we ought to have for each other. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. That was Jesus' command to his disciples and Jesus' command to us, John, sharing it with his community. That is the essence of what it means to be a Christian is to love those who don't deserve it because that's exactly what Jesus did with you. You didn't deserve it. None of us did, yet we received it. 
And while we celebrate our own lot in receiving that love, it should also push us to love the unlovable amongst us. To love even the ones causing the division. Even the ones in the wrong. Obviously, everybody knows that they're wrong. We should still love those people. Everybody knows that they're annoying and that they're hard to be around. We should still love those people. Everyone knows that you're going to get into an argument or to a fight when you have a conversation with this person. We should still love that person. Everyone knows that this person is the one that's gossiping or talking behind your back. We should still love that person. Why? Because Jesus loved us. End of story. I don't need any other reason. Jesus loves in a way that you and I aren't, we say we're not capable of, we think we're not capable of, yet he lives within us and calls us to that kind of love. In this passage that we've read this morning, John calls the members of his community, the members of which he calls his beloved children, he asks them to return to the basics, to the old commandment that is always new. He reminded them of the words that he personally witnessed and heard leave Jesus' mouth, love one another. Now we can take John's advice again today because chances are there are times when you and I, when we forget the importance of loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, of loving the church. We see our brothers and sisters for their flaws and their stubborn habits. And our love for each other gets clouded by disagreements, frustrations, misunderstandings, and personality issues. All the while, even in the midst of that, we gather together and we sing songs of God's great love. We sing songs about how the world will know us by the way that we love each other. And we open the words of truth, the words of love, and we study them every time we gather together. And then we leave this place and those songs and words of love are replaced by judgmental thoughts, criticism, and gossip. Whoever hates his brother, John says, walks in darkness. Let this scripture, let this passage Shine the light of the perfect God directly into your soul today. The perfect love of God. Into those parts of your soul that show hatred and or apathy toward your brothers and sisters in Christ. Stop walking in the darkness. Turn the light on. Return to the original plan that never grows old. Love one another. So let me ask you this morning. How can you this week Better love your brother or sister in Christ. Because to be Christian is to love the church. Let me say that again. How can you better love, serve? How can you better love your brother or sister in Christ this week? I don't mean that rhetorically. I mean, honestly, I want you to think about that. In what way this week can you better love a brother or sister, some brothers or sisters in Christ this week? Because to be Christian is to love the church. Like there isn't an option. I know we act like there is. We think there is. Because look, I've been around Christians when they talk about other Christians. I've been around churches, church leaders, Christian leaders when they talk about other churches. 
as if it's some kind of option to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, if it's some kind of option to love other churches. Wherever the name of Jesus is being proclaimed, love ought to be the biggest factor in that group. And we proclaim the name of Jesus right here at First Baptist Church. And what we proclaim when we proclaim the name of Jesus is we proclaim to the rest of the world that we love each other. Not only that, that we love everybody else who proclaims the name of Jesus, both in this community and around the world. And if we say that we proclaim the name of Jesus and we fail to love, we're liars. We don't. We are actually walking in darkness. It's what John says. Again, there is no in-between. To be Christian is to love Jesus' church. And so if there's any part of your life in which you are walking in darkness, maybe it's with the words of your mouth, the way that you talk about other believers, the way that you talk about other churches, the way that you talk about those in this very church, then it's time to put that darkness behind you, shine the light on your soul, repent before a holy God, and start following him in the main commandment to love one another. And if we do that, love God and love each other, we fulfill the whole law, Paul says in Galatians. Everything is dependent upon that. To be Christian is to love the church. I love you guys imperfectly. I love this church imperfectly. And I look forward to what we, with the love of Christ, drawing us together and working through us, can do in the days and years to come. During our time of invitation this morning, I ask you again to reflect over the question that I asked. How can I love my brother or my sister in Christ better this week? And if you're here this morning and you have never known the love of Jesus personally, I would love to tell you what that looks like. You can come down during our time of invitation. I will stand right here. You can come and ask me about it, pray with me about it. You can find me after the service as I wander around at the front and down the hallway, and we can talk about it. But you, Christian, believer, child of God, child of love, in what way this week can you better love your brother or sister in Christ? Think about that where you are. The altar is open if you would like to pray there. I can certainly pray with you as well about this or anything. Let's stand together. Bill and Lynn are going to come and lead us in a song of invitation. After I pray, you move in whatever way God is calling. Heavenly Father, we thank you for true love manifested in your Son, Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that you came for us even when we didn't deserve it, especially when we didn't deserve it, and that you died for us and lived for us. God, may you put that same love within us. And may we have that same love for each other. God, if we are causing division, Lord, I pray that you convict our hearts so that we might remedy that. And God, if we are the ones that have been wronged, God, I pray that you help us. God, I pray that you help us swallow our pride and the desire to be right and instead lean upon your body and the unity in your body. God, may each of us be an agent of love, an agent of unity. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.